Welcome to The Corporate Middle, your survival guide for corporate insanity. Welcome to The Corporate Middle. I'm your host, Donald Metter. I'm going to give you some profound management advice right now, immediately at the beginning of this episode. Your goal in life is to work as little as possible. This flies in the face of the current wisdom and the cult of busyness we seem to worship in companies today. Go ask someone how work is going and, and what they're going to tell you. Oh, man, I'm just, oh, I'm so busy. Man, I'm just swamped. Oh, this project is, whew, it's, it's killing me. But, you know, when you walk by their cube, you, you can see they're actually just shopping on Amazon. And I actually saw this firsthand with a director that I worked with who, who always seemed to act like he was just super busy. What he didn't know was he actually was sharing his calendar, and upon inspection, he had a grand total of about four meetings a week. We are absolutely terrified at the possibility that someone would know we have free time at work. We make this crazy assumption that people who are not busy, they must be lazy. They're, they're just slacking off. They're taking advantage of the company. And we as a society have learned to equate hours with productivity. So you have the people who are pretending to work a ton of hours, and then of course there are the people who actually do put in these insane hours because they feel that is what is expected. They do their best to accomplish any task that is assigned to them, and the number of hours is irrelevant. That's what's necessary to be successful, or so they think. And the numbers bear this out. A 2014 Gallup poll put the average number of hours worked at about 47 hours a week, or 9.4 hours a day, with many saying they work 50 hours a week. In demanding competitive industries like tech, finance, startups, lawyers, you know, these type of professionals easily work in excess of 60 hours a week as a rule. And even more so, if we start to think about the smartphone, we actually don't even take that into account, the amount of hours that we're working. Every time we get a notification or a ping from our phone, we're checking it. Does our boss need something? Do customers need something? It doesn't actually matter the time of day. We're constantly tethered, and we forget about those minutes here and there that are stolen from us from our smartphones. You're expected to answer those smartphones 24 by 7. You're going to see your boss send an email at 3 a.m. And, oh, man, my boss is working late, so I should too. Wow, they must be busy. <laughs> I actually knew a guy at work uh, who would schedule his emails to make sure they were sent in the middle of the night so it looked like he was working. Because we, and he, felt this intense pressure to always be available, to always be working. Research has attempted to quantify the relationship between hours worked and productivity. And what they found is that employee output falls sharply after 50 hours a week. And it falls off a cliff after 55 hours. So much so that, according to a study published by Stanford, that someone who puts in 70 hours a week produces nothing more with those extra 15 hours. The effect of working more was nothing. People who work these long hours just straight up pretend to be working because they feel that's what's necessary to survive. And in reality, they're not actually accomplishing anything. How many hours should you be working? Let's give a quick history lesson on the 40-hour work week. 
Most of this came about due to manufacturing uh, back in the 40s. Uh, workers were, well, they were being worked to death. Uh, 100-hour weeks, 24-hour days. I mean, that happened. That was a real thing. And that's where the advent of some of the unions and the strikes really came about. So in 1938, it finally came to a head. The political pressure started to mount, and Congress passed the Fair Labor Standards Act, which limited the work week to 44 hours a week, about 8.8 hours a day. But that wasn't enough. There was still pressure to make it even less. So in 1940, Congress amended the Fair Labor Standards Act, further limiting it to what we now know as the 40-hour work week. But since the 1940s, everything has changed. The nature of work itself has changed. We are no longer an industrial economy. We're a knowledge economy. With smartphones and contract workers, salary positions, companies have slowly been pulling more and more hours out of us. And, you know, who can blame them? <laughs> Honestly, it's their job to keep pushing the envelope for their shareholders. They want to see how much time they can get out of an employee and out of a team with as little pay as possible. The most amazing thing in all of this is they have found a way to convince us it's a good thing. We wear the numbers of hours we work as a badge of honor. Oh, man, put in 80 hours this week. So much so, the lies have built up and this expectation has built up that everyone is kind of one-upping each other, and it even gets put into our performance reviews. So much so that... When a manager comes in, he's doing a review, he's actually looking at how hard of a worker are they, how many hours are they putting in. It's kind of permeated the entire culture. It's, it's considered a commitment to the company, which honestly is insane. All it really is is workday inflation. It's a fundamental disease that we need and you need to put a stop to. Why do we need to put a stop to this? Because losers measure input. Winners measure their output. I don't care how many hours my team puts in. I care they get the job done. Whether it takes 20, 50, it's irrelevant. The goal is get the job done. You know, hmm, let's ask Michael Scott what he thinks about one of his employees. Jim Halpert, pros, smart, cool, good looking, Remind you of anybody you know? Cons, not a hard worker. I can spend all day on a project and he will finish the same project in a half an hour. So that should tell you something. Now, this is a humorous but great example that for some reason we've decided that we need to measure inputs. But at the end of the day, output, your results are the only thing that matters. You have to manage yourself this way and you have to manage your team the same way. You are responsible for shaping the culture of your team to be results-oriented. It doesn't matter what your company is doing or other groups. You are in charge of your team's success. And if you keep them results-oriented, you can change how they actually view their work. The first way to do this is to make sure you model it yourself. You do that by protecting your time first. How many times have you come home at the end of the day worked a full day, attended meetings and conference calls, answered hundreds of emails, only to realize you didn't actually accomplish anything. Your input was eight hours. Your output was zero. 
Which number do you think actually matters more in your life? Here's what you do. When you get to work, before you open email, before you chit-chat with your coworkers, I want you to get a pen and paper. Yes, it has to be a pen and a paper. Your brain just works better that way. Write down your minimum viable day. What that means is, what are the things I must accomplish today to make it a success? Ideally, it should be no more than five items at most. Three is really the perfect number. If you're going to write down everything you actually have to do and all the things on your to-do list, it's going to completely overwhelm you. You're never going to finish. You're going to come home depressed every single day, but what you have to do is not do that. Focus on the most important task. What is that minimum viable day? You got that written down? Okay, do that first. The kicker is you don't do anything else until you have made progress on these tasks. Get them moving in a forward direction. The next thing you need to do is make sure you set aside dedicated time blocks to work on those tasks. Some of the things on that list can be completed quickly, so block out your time on your calendar to do nothing at all except those tasks. No meetings, no phone calls, nothing. No distractions. Shut off your phone notification, your email notification. Focus time is honestly the only way to be successful. We have this weird itch that needs to be scratched in our society today to constantly check our email and respond as soon as something comes in. We're so attached to our phones, it has actually rewired our brain. I'm not kidding. That, that's a thing. There's a diagnosis known as phantom vibration syndrome. I, I guarantee you felt this. You feel your phone vibrating or ringing when it doesn't. You actually can feel it in your pocket and you pull it out. What? It, it didn't ring. What? And you're confused. Our brain has rewired itself to be so cognizant of that that we're just focused on it. It's called a syndrome, but it's actually better characterized as a hallucination because your brain is perceiving something that's not actually there. We're in this constant state of distraction. You've got to train your mind to focus on time blocks. You've got to quit what you're doing and go cold turkey. You are literally hallucinating because you're so obsessed with responding to messages instantly. This time block strategy works equally as well with your team, and I've used it many times in the past. We had an issue where one of our software development projects was a full month behind schedule. So I made the call to sequester the entire team in a room. The goal is they would not have to attend any conference calls, no status meetings, and not even respond to any email. That's it. Focus time to work on their development tasks. I called and emailed every single team they worked with and let them know that our team would not be available that week and we're not going to attend meetings, we're not going to read emails. If there was some emergency that other people thought we needed to take care of, they could call me directly. I had each of my team members set up an out-of-office that said the same thing. They weren't going to read their email for an entire week and they put my cell phone on their out-of-office message. If anyone had an issue, they could call their boss who is me. If it was important enough for them to make a phone call, then you know what? It, it probably was an emergency. If it wasn't, it could probably wait a week. You know, the crazy thing is the week before this, all these meetings and fire drills, you know, there was all these quote unquote emergencies. Then 
all of a sudden, we got to the week where we said we're not going to be bothered. Nothing happened. Turns out, there was nothing that important that couldn't wait a week. And I've used this exercise on a micro level as well. What we did within our development teams, we had Monday and Wednesday afternoons were dev days. After lunch, everyone was instructed to turn off their IM, turn off their emails, and do nothing but spend focused time developing. Without a doubt, we got more productivity out of that team by doing that and having that focused work. It's extremely important for you and your team. Don't neglect it. At this point, you've gotten your task taken care of, and you now get to move on to other people's problems. It's important to remember that every single time you answer an email or a phone call, you're actually just helping other people cross off their own to-do list. Every company has their share of silly processes and overhead, and the ones I've worked with are no exception. It would never fail that several times a week, I would get requests to fill out a spreadsheet or log into some strange system, click some box to certify or approve something. The truth is that none of these tasks moved me or my team closer to any of our goals. I knew who was sending those emails, so I had an auto-filter rule set up to stick them in a folder called Busy Work, and I wouldn't even look at them until Friday at the earliest, and only when I felt like I had accomplished what I needed to. When something comes in that appears to require your attention, ask yourself three pointed questions. The first question, what would happen if I just didn't do this? Would there actually be any real repercussions if you did not complete this task? What's the worst thing that could happen if you didn't do this? If there would be real consequences, then you know what? You probably have no choice but to do it. You're going to be surprised, though, how many tasks can't even get by this first question. I've got a pretty good example of this, actually. Uh, every week, we were supposed to email in our status reports. Just a nice bullet email list of you know, everything that we were working on, what we have accomplished, etc., etc. We email it to one of the folks on another team, and they would compile it together and build a little email newsletter and send it over to our executive director. It took me about an hour a week to put this together, but, you know, I had the sneaking suspicion that nobody was actually reading this. So I wondered, what would happen if I just didn't send in my update? So I didn't and nothing happened. I didn't send it in the first week. I didn't send it in the second week. And still, nothing happened. I didn't send my updates for an entire year before someone actually said something. A year. I saved myself 52 hours because what we were being asked to do couldn't even get past the first question. The second question. Could this be automated? Is this a request that you might get more than once? Is it a PowerPoint or some sort of report that you could easily build into a macro or some other creative way to reduce the amount of time it's going to take to handle this recurring request? The easiest example I can think of is when we launched a new product. People always wanted all these stats and metrics and charts the same request would come from a bunch of different groups, but it wound up being the same information over and over and over, just maybe in a little different way. 
So we quickly built a script that could run and pull in all the stats and spit it out in some nice formatted report. So every time we got that same question, we would push a button and we were done. The third question, can this be delegated? Is there someone else on your team who could do an equal or a better job than you? Trust your team with some of these assignments so you can focus on the larger issues at hand. Your team is smarter than you. Now, it is important to note, this third question is not about dumping tasks that you don't want to do on other people. It's about understanding if someone can do a better job than you. If they can have a better output than you and it takes them less time, that is a more efficient use of everyone's resources. If a task can pass these three questions, then you know it's something you need to focus on. You can save yourself a huge amount of time over your career by examining what is actually being asked of your time. Go take a look of your current to-do list, and I want you to ask these three questions on each one of those items. I'm going to bet at least one of them can be removed after reviewing these questions. Now, I will give some credit to my cousin, Paul Thompson, who you can actually find over on his own podcast, Ready Investor One, for giving me these questions many years ago and really changing fundamentally how I approach my work. If you don't follow these three easy rules, you're going to find that you are putting in 50-hour weeks, but not actually having a lot of output to show for it because you're just working on other people's work. Something always comes in to fill up your time. If you make yourself available for 50 hours, guess what? You're going to find 50 hours worth of work or 60 or 70 and on and on and on. The important thing is to make sure you're working on the right things. Now, a lot of the tips I've given you so far have been applicable to you and how you need to manage your time. Let's pretend you've got it all figured out. You've got yourself sorted. You've got to do this exact same thing with your team. How much time are they spending doing tasks for other teams versus what they're actually accomplishing? How much time is wasted focused on their input? If your team is constantly working 50-hour weeks, in my opinion, you're failing as a manager because you have failed to set the correct priorities for them and guarded their time effectively. You have to guard your team's time just as fiercely as you guard your own. Like I mentioned before, there's a huge drop-off in production with these extra hours. I personally do not believe 50 hours is sustainable in the long term. Sure, you're going to have the short burst, you're going to have projects and deadlines. That's fine. That happens. That's okay. But long term, it's not a sustainable business model. As a leader, you had better know where your team's time is going. We find ourselves as leaders and middle managers in the same trap. If your boss asks you about a project, what's your response going to be? Well, my team is working as hard as they can. That's the, th that's the same thing we talked about in the beginning. That's the equivalent of passing somebody in the hall and saying, man, I'm just really busy. You're trying to justify your team's input, but it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. What matters is the output. So let's wrap this up. Your goal in life is to work as little as possible. Your goal is not to focus on how much work or how many hours you put in. It's to focus on the outcome. At the end of the day, 
you should be asking yourself and your team, not what did you do today or what are you working on. The question is, what did you accomplish? Work for its own sake is worthless. And you manage that by protecting your time. And you can do that in three ways. The first is to make sure you define that minimum viable day. What is the minimum you can accomplish today and call it a success? The second that helps you with the first one is to make sure you're carving out a focused time block for that work. And the third is only after you have finished your own task should you worry about other people's problems. And make sure that everything that you have to do passes the three-question test. What happens if I just don't do this? Can this be automated? Can this be delegated? If you do this and protect your time, and honestly, most importantly, protect your team's time, they will start to focus inherently on the more important things, and which will in turn protect their output, which is what you as a leader will be judged on. Not the amount of work you do, but the amount of output that you produce. Using these filters I've talked about is actually going to allow you to work less and produce more. The honest truth is I worked less hours than several of my peers, yet I was the one who received promotions and raises because I was measuring the right thing. I was focused on the right thing. I measured output. A focused 40 is better than a scattered 50 any day. Thanks for listening today. I love answering these pressing middle management questions on how to actually get through the day. We're going to figure out what works and doesn't work. And if you have any questions you want me to answer or just a crazy story you want me to share, head on over to thecorporatemiddle.com or just send me an email, donald at corporatemiddle.com. Look forward to hearing from you. And remember, the reward for good work is just more work. See you next time.